we're walking into this field full of giraffes and they're like, yeah, it's totally okay. However, if they start to swing their head, don't let it hit you because they will kill you. Because we found out that day that giraffes apparently fight each other by swinging this enormous neck and hitting things with their head. Here we go. In the words of the Joker. And we are live with another episode of Open Action with me, John McLean, presented by Arms Corps Ammunition. And this episode... I've got a dude that a lot of you in the firearms industry probably know and have probably listened to or or seen or or watched or anything like that because, you know, he's kind of a big deal. I've heard I've heard he owns many leather bound books and his apartment smells of rich bourbons and and mahogany and mahogany. But uh, my guest today is Sean Heron. He is the host of We Like Shooting podcast. He also has the Dangerous Freedom uh, YouTube channel where he does these awesome, very funny and comical reviews. But he also, like, gives you information at the same time. It's it's like entertaining, and you learn something to begin with at the same time. So pretty cool. So if you haven't seen that, make sure you go check that out. But uh, Sean Heron, thank you so much for being on here, buddy. You bet, man. Yeah, the Dangerous Freedom, my, my goal is to make you laugh, but also trick you into learning. Ah, it's the worst. I hate it I when know. my teachers. I hate it when my <laughs> teachers try to do that. Let me adjust my camera there. I should have done that beforehand. But anyway, <clears throat> right on, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being here. I uh, did you have hockey today? I did. I had I played pickup hockey at uh, twelve fifteen, and we only had ten people show up. And then everyone was like, "Yeah, let's play five on five. So basically, I was just out there f- for an hour and a half playing without uh, any rest. Yeah, those those games are tough like even when i was playing like on a fairly regular basis i had to do that one time and it was just uh, like it, it doesn't matter how in shape you think you are it yeah. proves you you're wrong in about and what's sad is it, it like 10 minutes in you're done oh yeah like completely taxed and you know there was i'm a fat and there was skinny dudes that were dying and i was like yeah think how i feel i'm carrying two of you yeah like I'm gonna I'm gonna play defense and maybe kind of like a goalie, but I'm not actually gonna be in goal. I'm just gonna stand here in center ice. Oh man, and- yeah, it, it was <laughs> it was really rough, and I'm not in great shape. Trying to be better, but today definitely uh, contributed to that. So I had fast food on the way home. Perfect. Well, you know what? I always found though, you know, when I um, <clears throat> so when I started playing hockey, it was because I was trying to get back into shape because uh, I wanted to get out of round. I know round is a shape, but it, didn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. working for me. And so I bought like a Fitbit so I could start keeping track of what I was burning and my heart rate and all that kind of stuff. And after I started doing that, I was like, man, I could go eat a donut and be okay. Like yeah. you burn so many calories in, in an hour session of playing hockey that you're just like one donut. And I literally have another 800 calories that I could essentially consume and be and break even. It was it was pretty awesome. It, it is awesome. I, I smell like a sewer and my beard's all f- like fluffy now, but I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, my my hockey bag makes Kelly gag. It is so comical when she has yeah. this, when she smells it. It's like, wah, wah. <laughs> so our goalie for a while, like I couldn't even sit on the same side of the room as him. It just smelled like cats had peed in his hockey bag and it was bad. But uh, yeah, hockey is just kind of a gross sport overall. Yeah, right. No. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about, which is something and, and you know, obviously we're going to have some fun. 
Uh, but we do got to talk about something that was pretty epic that just took place in your state, mm. which was you guys shut down the assault weapon ban. Yeah, for now, we, we definitely did, which was pretty exciting overall. Uh, it was a very unique insight into the political process and one of the first times that I had done anything like what I did. You want to hear about all of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like walk us through, like, not just not just about the hearing, but also like how how you were able to get the word out, um, how you were able to to kind of rally the troops, as we would call it, because, I mean, it, it is not an easy feat, especially in your state, being that it's a blue state with a lot of Democrats uh, on the, you know, it, within the seats and stuff. So, I mean, like to, to really make them open their eyes and say, you know, I know it's kind of like a. Yeah. The popularity, fear of losing their job, reason behind they making the decision. But the fact of the matter is, that's that's what we do as the people. It's supposed to be, hey, the people are speaking, and if you don't do what we say we want done, then we're gonna get you the hell out and put someone in place that will represent us accordingly. So, um, yeah, I mean, just just kind of talk us through what what had happened and how how it all went down. Yeah, absolutely. So Colorado is now basically, uh, I don't even know how it happened or when it happened, but we are basically a left supermajority. So governor, house and Senate. And that it's just kind of crazy because really, if you look at Colorado on an election map, it's bright red, except for Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins. But through the you know art of gerrymandering, they've made that matter. So uh, one of the first things that they all promised when they were elected was that they were going to pass a ton of gun control. And so they decided they were going to come up with an assault weapons ban and introduce it. So the first part of introducing a bill and uh, trying to make it become a law is to go through committee. Uh, this is this falls under the Colorado House Judiciary Committee. And so they they had talked about it. They had pushed it forward a little bit then pulled it back. And then finally they set the day and the date and then they played games with the times and everything to, to get everyone to show up. So one of the things about these committees is that both for and against a bill can show up and, sub- and, and submit their testimony, whether it be in person. We also have remote testimony via Zoom here and written testimony. Now, you know, I just I used our social media just to kind of push people to to get involved, but I would say the real powerhouse behind the grassroots organization that went on was Rocky Mountain Gun Owners, which is an offshoot of National Association for Gun Rights. And they did a really good job of rallying the troops. So when it came time, uh, our testimony started at 930 in the morning and basically over 500 people showed, uh, signed up uh, beforehand to submit their, their testimony. And so we, we, excuse me, we get in there and we start going through it and they break everything into panels. So they'll have a panel of five for the assault weapon ban in person and then five for the assault weapon ban remotely. And they'll all go through and everyone had two minutes and they would start to cut you off after two minutes. So we went through that and then they would do a panel of against the assault weapons ban, both there and remotely and, and just kind of, kind of do that. And uh, it took 13 hours before I was able to testify. So I sat right here where I'm sitting right now uh, for 13 hours that day before I was able to have my two minutes to speak. And it, it was it was great. We showed up in uh, a ratio of about six to one opposing uh, had the super majority of people that showed up and, and the people talked about, 
you know, the, the real reasons for mass killings. And they talked about the second amendment and they talked about the infringement of rights. And they talked to the, you know, we had Rocky Mountain gunners, several of them were there to speak. Uh, we had five sheriffs show up and they all gave testimony against the assault weapons ban. So shout out to Colorado sheriffs for being dope. And then, uh, let's see. So I finally got to speak after 13 hours and then I guess there was maybe three more hours of testimony after I finished and they decided to call it to a vote. Now throughout the whole day, the people who introduced the bill are really going through and trying to, you know, figure out they're trying, I think it's called whip. They're trying to whip their votes and, and get, make sure, figure out who's going to vote for it. Who's going to vote against it. See if they have any leverage over the people who are going to vote against it and, you know, try to get them to vote their way. And throughout the day, the, the lady who introduced it, uh, representative Epps, she kept talking about bump stocks. So everyone suspected that she was going to pull the assault weapons ban and try to get bump stocks added. But as we all know, bump stocks just won an appellate case, a uh, federal appellate case, basically saying that the ATF had uh, exceeded their authority in bump stocks and overturned it, at least in the state that that, that circuit covered. So we figured she was going to reintroduce it as a bump stock ban, but uh, I believe that they just did not have the votes and could not do it because the the makeup of the House Judiciary Committee uh, is also a Democratic majority. I think there's maybe nine, let's see, six, there's 13 members of the, that, that subcommittee and uh, only four of them are Republican. So at about one in the morning, after 16 hours, I believe, of testimony uh, and the last five or six hours were 100% against because mom's demand action ran out of, uh, of, of people to vote, testify in support of it. They decided to go for a vote. They lost the vote seven to six, and then they did another vote to table it indefinitely. And that won eight to five. So we, we defeated that today and I'm sure that there'll be another one if not this session in the next session, and we'll have to do the same thing over again, but it was, it was a nice, I, I don't know who threatened them enough uh, to, to vote them out or primary against them, but they, they decided to make the right decision that day. And it was, it was a pretty cool in uh, view into the political process. Yeah, man, that, uh, you know, the, the reason why I wanted you to bring that up is because like, it, it really shows your level of resolve and, and the resolve of all the people there, because I mean, dude, to, to wait 13 hours to talk for two minutes, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like that, that I, sh I have a hard time waiting 13 minutes to, to, you know, for the movie previews to be over and my movie to start. So, yeah. um, you know, 13 hours to talk two minutes is that's impressive that you had the resolve, the, but again, like it's it's an important issue it's not just a hobby thing it's not just a recreation like we're, we're talking about being able to defend ourselves our lives our community our loved ones so um you know i applaud to uh not just you but i mean everyone that took time out of their day to either write in zoom call or be there in person because um that that's sometimes it's just the shit that you got to do to get shit mm -hmm. done yeah so, they were, it, you know, it was really kind of interesting to see this. Uh, I gave a quote to, or some quotes to a reporter from the Daily Caller yesterday. And my quote was basically, you know, the, the people against the assault weapons ban came with clear, concise uh, arguments. They had really good data. They were well-researched. They were eloquent for the most part. 
and just did a really good job presenting data and what the actual causes of, of these mass killings might be. And the other side, the people who are for the assault weapons ban, uh, lots of red shirts from Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense or whatever the hell they call themselves. And they were they relied on gaslighting, theatrics, uh, emotional outcries. Ninety um, percent of them cried, and it was just it was a really long day. And by the end, I, I you know, I, I disliked anti gunners before, but now I would say it's it's resolved itself into like a burning hatred, but just because they're, they, you know, they don't know anything. Their arguments are just trash and they're just purely relying on emotion. And it was, it was really interesting. And yeah, th- those groups are basically a cult. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I, I got back when I was living in Vegas, I got, uh, called up for to do my jury, jury summons, right. All mm-hmm. our, our civic duty that we have to do as, as United States citizens. And, I was sitting there um, and they, you know, they put the first like 12 people up and they start going through all the questions. Like, would you, would you be able to, to listen to the facts of the case with a, you know, w- without an opinion, without, you know, like having already having made a judgment or do you have any prejudice or, you know, do you have any family in, in law enforcement, you know, stuff like that. And I remember when I first sat down, I was just like, gosh, what, what am I going to say to try and get out of this? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I just wanted to look around and just be like, man, there's an awful lot of white people in this room and just see if I could get out, you know, for prejudice. But the fact of the matter was that uh, every person, literally almost every person had some sort of excuse as to why they couldn't sit on the jury. And it got to a point where I hadn't even been called up yet. Uh, they, they kept dismissing jurors. And it went on for about four hours before they called it a day. And I had to go back the second day to continue the selection process because my number hadn't been called up yet. Jeez. And it, it literally got to the point where I went from being like, okay, how the hell am I going to get out of this? Like, I don't want to be on this jury to I, I wanted to throw my hand up and be like, you know what? Select me. Let's get the exactly. hell out of here and let it go. And like, you know, just, Jesus Christ, how many times? Yeah. You know, oh, well, you know, um, my dog might have a veterinarian's appointment uh, if he decides to swallow his chew toys, which he historically has, uh, has a habit of doing. And so I can't be on the jury because in case my dog chooses too hard you know it was like oh my god dude really that's some of the stupidest reasonings behind it you know so yeah but um so it's just funny though like yeah it's like that my mindset changed within 24 hours from how Mm -hmm. do i get get out of this to okay you know what like this this is ridiculous and um and and just yeah it's like the whole bullshit out your ass thing that they do is just the same thing that i see with with anti-gunners it's just this like constant beratement of like you know for the children it's like um man you care about your money which is why there's normally armed security guards bulletproof glass and a vault at your bank yet you're trying to make schools an even softer target like yeah you know yeah, 100%. It was all just like purely emotion. They don't actually have any ideas. They're just like, oh, you know what? Let's take away the guns because that's got to be what the problem is. And the crazy thing is like I think that the uh, chair of the board uh, of the committee, the chair of the committee, sorry, I think that he did a reasonably good job um, except 
it's just the craziest thing. Cause you'll, you'll have a, a person against the assault weapons ban come up and be like, here's the data, here's the data. And even my thing, uh, you know, I talk about data from the department of justice after the assault weapons ban from 94 to 2004, uh, failed, or I'm sorry, what would they call it? Sun sunset. I don't remember after it went away, the DOJ did a report and it was like, yeah, it didn't really work. Didn't really reduce these factors. And so I have all that data and they won't ask us any questions uh, for the most part. But one of the moms comes up and she's like, all their data is wrong. And I've got this data from Gifford's law center. And the, then the next person would come up and they would just start asking questions about like how our data is wrong, but not make them prove it all, but ask us to prove it all. It was just, it was the weirdest thing, man. You know, you know what? And to, to take it to the next step too, people need to understand that. Um, I mean, obviously we understand the concept. Like if you're a criminal and you intend to do criminal things, no law is going to stop you. You don't get you. You don't care anymore. Right. Like if you're already a felon, then what the hell? What's another felony? It doesn't matter to me. Right. Like exactly. Um, and nowadays, the idea of we have to get rid of guns is just absolutely stupid due to the fact that 3D printers exist. They are a real thing. They can manufacture frames that, you know, you just got to drill holes, install metal pieces for, for slides and triggers, and you've got working guns. There's no, any criminal that wants to get their hands on a 3D printed gun is going to be able to do it. And it's, and it's not even going to cost them an arm and a leg, right? So, yeah. so this idea of disarming everybody that is a law-abiding citizen that follows the rules. Yes, we have to do our background checks, and we fill out the forms every single time, and we do it. Like we, There is a record of us owning firearms. That it doesn't have, even have to be a registry because there is a record that we at one point owned a firearm, whether or not we still do or not. But yeah, like the whole 3D printed thing too, which, which I'm, not, I'm not against it anyway because like – uh, like I said, I, I've got I've got firearms that I legally own. I have training. I have my concealed weapons permit, so I can defend myself. Not that I want to, not that I want to go out and look for trouble. But if trouble does come looking for me, and I can't back out of it, at least I've got a fighting chance. Versus just I have to just be okay with being a victim and just to suck mm-hmm. it up and hope I don't die and hope I make it back to my family and my my baby. And so, you know, it's just like ridiculous that whole concept of like you know they, they put so much emotion into it but they don't they don't consider well anything i mean they just they just want to cry scream and yeah you know it's theatrics it's theatrics and and then so they ran out of people to testify like hours before but they were just calling all their friends and then their friends would come up and read testimony from somebody else with air quotes and so like the, the same people came up like three times to read testimony from other people and they weren't signed up. And then finally enough people were like, Hey, this is not right. We all signed up. We've been here for 13 hours. They walked in five minutes ago and they're up here crying at the table. Like that's, that's not right. So, Hey, yeah, you know what? If, you, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Just saying. I, I guess. Yeah. I wish I could have summed up some tears. I would have done it, but mine, mine was no, no emotion involved. It was all just like data, hard facts. And we will, we will come after you and vote against you. Uh, if you go through with this. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, awesome to see that news when I woke up the next day. So super, super Same. proud of everyone there in Colorado and everyone that, that, uh, did their time now. Um, moving on, I see your shirt. You've got a, we like shooting shirt. 
You guys are one. Are you the largest firearms podcast? Out I mean, there? impossible to tell, but I also own the firearms radio network that has a bunch of other gun podcasts on it. And we're, we are by far the biggest on the firearms radio network. And I've seen a bunch of other people's numbers and, and we're decidedly ahead of them as well. So I don't know if they we're the biggest, but we are absolutely one of the biggest, if not. Okay. And, and to get to a point like that, obviously you guys started a while back and I would dare to almost say that you guys started your podcast when people were still kind of like, what the hell's a podcast? That doesn't even make sense. What do you, you're just, you're, you're talking like, who are you talking to? Yep. Like you're not on the radio, you're, right? So um, what I wanted to, to ask you about was, you know, as far as the start of We Like Shooting as a pod, like how, what, I guess my question is what convinced you that, it was a it was a good idea to do, or was it just like, hey, we're we're gonna start, we're just gonna sit down, we're gonna talk to ourselves about guns and shooting and all that kind of stuff. And if anyone wants to listen, then cool. But if they don't, I don't care because we're just really doing this far. I mean, I'm assuming that's how it kind of started, and then it eventually turned into what it is today, right? Yeah, kind of. I was way against it actually. I just had a. I was uh, my background is in IT, and uh, I was doing that. I had my own business. Plus I worked for a fortune 50 company doing, uh, it stuff. And then we started a website where we were keeping track of our gun projects. Cause we had just kind of just, just gotten started at it. And then, uh, one of the guys was like, Hey, we should do a podcast. And I was like, uh, no, I don't want to do a podcast. That's the last thing I want to do. I listened to tech podcasts, but I didn't actually, uh, I, I didn't want to do it. I was so against it. And then I thought, well, you know what? I guess we could do it and I'll just model it after all these tech podcasts, which means we're going to have to like up our level to just another, another thing. And I was like, if we can do it my way, then we'll do it. And so we started it and I just kind of modeled it after all the tech podcasts that I listened to, except it had to do with guns. And yeah, I was, I was so fully against it and then started doing it. And then about six years into it, started doing it full-time, full-time job. Dude, that is freaking awesome. Like to it, it was crazy. Yeah, we've been around for now for a decade. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. I'm to to literally turn something from nothing. I mean, that's that's pretty much how any company starts, right? Like someone mm-hmm. has an idea, then they they find out how to make make things happen, whether or not it means getting business loans or, you know, starting out of your garage or anything like that. But um it's just it's just weird that concept that like podcasts are an everyday thing now. But mm-hmm. 10 years ago, people were like, what the hell is a podcast? No, I'm not going to waste my time with that. I'm going to listen to Mix 94.1 so I can listen to Third Eye Blind every 15 minutes when they keep playing the same single over and over. Like that was that was yep. considered normal. And now, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, well, I mean, kind of like this podcast. Like you, you'll, you'll listen to it, listen to it, and then you just kind of binge them. And you just let the next one play through and next one play through. And, and, and you end up getting fans that, that want to, you know, tune in for the next episode. It's just... It's it's kind of cool to to see um, what you guys have become from where it all started of you guys being around for so long and how uh, quickly it's or not quickly but how massively it's grown. Yeah, you know the crazy thing is uh, I listened to podcasts for years before we started, so like they were around and people liked them, but it was more of like a niche thing. And then I'd say over maybe the last three years people started to realize, Oh, Hey, like podcasting is a thing. We should get involved in podcasting. And now today there's, I've, I've, 
I think there's three dudes on my hockey team that have podcasts and yeah. it's just, like this, it's a thing that people do to share, just to share what kind of, what, what they're interested in, what they're passionate about, what's going on in their lives. Some people have podcasts just to, to hang out. And honestly, the, we like shooting is, it has never stopped being that it has never stopped being the five of us people who met each other randomly on the internet and decided to start this thing together. But the best part of my week is Monday nights when I get to sit down with those guys for like three and a half, four hours and, uh, just laugh and, and drink some whiskey and talk about guns and just the freedom. And yeah, it's like, it's the best part of my week every week, still 10 years later. Yeah. And, and I've, I've had the pleasure of being on the podcast, um, and and uh yeah it, it was absolutely amazing like we we just kind of sat down chatted the first 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 time i don't remember i don't i don't know if i've been on it a second time i feel like i was but i can't remember i, think uh, so. I just <laughs> i just remember the first time though um was you know it was it was cool because it was just this full-on conversation about like tell us about competition shooting tell us about what you're doing all that kind of stuff and then after that it was like all right well we're gonna keep talking if you got if you got your two cents to throw in then just throw them in there and it became this just full-on conversation it was like yeah. you said it was almost like every, it was like just sitting around a fire pit you know yeah having a glass of bourbon or having a beer in your hand and just bullshitting like you know someone says something funny and you all attack them for for whatever it is making and, and building on those <laughs> jokes and stuff it, it was a it was an awesome time so your podcast is it's obviously very fun to, to listen to, which um, is, is kind of the point, right? Like if you guys yeah. enjoy doing it, that that's really all that matters. Anyone else that wants to be a part of that ride, I'm sure it's, it's kind of like I appreciate anyone that wants to listen to this podcast. But in reality, I'm just talking to dudes about stuff that I want to talk about. And exactly, you know, I'm finding it entertaining. I'm finding it informative and fun and all that kind of stuff. So if anyone yeah. else does, then cool. If you don't, well. Sorry, I'll I'll try better next time, but yeah. So now, 100%. <clears throat> so you went from working a job <clears throat> to having your own job that you kind of created. But what are some of the coolest things that we like shooting and your YouTube channel, all kind of stuff? What are some of the coolest things that you've got to do now um, because of your success and your hard work that uh, that you put in? Yeah. A lot of trips are, are actually really fun. So one of, uh, one of the greatest things that we get to do is just travel all over the country and meet all kinds of people. And we have friends in the industry and we have people that listen to the show that we meet constantly. Uh, that's fun, but I've gotten to take some trips, uh, that have been amazing. Like going, I spent four or five days at Ox Ranch with Brownells and a bunch of other creators and, you know, walked through a field and petted giraffes and, you know, like just, spending five days in like one of the most amazing places on earth, uh, all the wildlife and just the experience and all the things we did, we went cave exploring and, and just, uh, yeah, it, amazing things like that. I've gotten to fly in helicopters. I've gotten to drive tanks. Um, I've gotten to shoot big, huge howitzers and I've shot every gun under the sun multiple times these days. And like those, those experiences, like I will never, ever forget them. Oh yeah, I I can only imagine what driving a tank to be like. Did you get to so you got to run something over? I I gotta assume. Uh, we drove it on a course. Let's see. I don't. No, we saw that we saw them run over stuff, but I didn't drive over anything. But we mm. like the course is not just a straight course. Like you're going down huge inclines down into a river, driving up the river through rocks and over ledges, and it, like it was it was pretty intense. Uh, it was so much fun, and also tanks are really uncomfortable inside. 
Well, I can only imagine, right? Yeah, they're definitely probably not built for comfort. They're built more for a, an, another purpose, which is to be a hard A M F. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, like just to get in one, you're like you hurt yourself seventeen times, and you're like, wow, I'm I'm actually very soft. I'm a very soft, <laughs> uh, womanly boy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, so you said you got to pet a giraffe. Let's let's talk about how how is it that a giraffe is a real animal and a unicorn is not. I don't even understand it, honestly. And we're walking into this field full of giraffes and they're like, yeah, it's totally okay. However, if they start to swing their head, don't let it hit you because they will kill you. Because we found out that day that giraffes apparently fight each other by swinging this enormous <laughs> neck and hitting things with their head. So they're like, if they start to swing their head, you got to get out of there fast. And so, you know, that's how the, that's how the day started. But yeah, they don't even seem real, especially when you're like just standing next to one and you can't even reach his shoulder. Yeah. We, we've got them at the zoos that we go to and we take Naomi to and stuff. And it's just like, you just see them. But, and again, I just look at, I'm like, how is it that a, a horse with a horn on its head is a fake creature, but this thing that, yeah. you know, I, how is that? It looks like, uh, you, you know how giraffes were made though, right? No. So a giraffe was, was, uh, it came to fruition, uh, when Chuck Norris uppercutted a horse. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot more sense now. There's a little, little Chuck Norris joke there for you. I've got, uh, yeah, so much fun. fun. Exactly. Right. So. Um, all right, so you got to, you got to do some cool stuff. It was funny because when you when you started talking about a giraffe, I was like, "Oh, did you shoot one?" Because that's no. What you, <laughs> no, but you have shot other things. Now you yeah. are you are just kind of like me in this whole brand new world of hunting that we both kind of discovered, and now we're yes. we're both pretty into it. Um, let, let's talk about like how how did how did your first hunt come to be? Like what what happened that made you go? You know what? F it. Let's let's go for it. Let's try it. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't into guns like my whole life. Uh, it's just been maybe the, like the last 12 years or so. And hunting was a thing that I didn't know if I would like. So I really wanted to try it. And I got my hunter's ed card maybe like a decade ago, but hunting in Colorado is reasonably complicated, especially if you're not really quite sure where to start and you didn't grow up hunting and you didn't have anyone to pass on like the processes, procedures, and just, you know, the art of hunting to you. So I couldn't ever really figure it out. I had a buddy take me out antelope hunting. We not once the entire time ever saw an antelope. So it was just like armed hiking. And then I was kind of lamenting on the show one night. I was like, I really want to try hunting. I have no idea if I'm going to like it, but I really want to try it. And I don't know how to get started. And so we got a bunch of emails from people that were like, Hey, I'll show you the ropes. And uh, quite a few of them were, were here local and uh, they'd been listeners for years. So I kind of like knew who they were. And so we started talking about it and they, they started to show me the ropes and show me how to find, uh, the, the game units to, to hunt and like, you know, when to sign up for your, your tags and how to get, how to, how to get your tags and, and everything. So then, uh, we, we did all that. And then I kind of waited for about six months after I got my tags and finally went out and, uh, first hunt was an antelope hunt. I'm sorry, deer hunt actually. in. Burlington, Colorado. And we hunted for several days, didn't really find anything. And then like in the last four minutes of the last day before it got dark, uh, we saw a deer. I didn't have a shot on it. So my hunting partner, Mike, uh, took it. He, he, uh, got it. 
we dressed it. It took a couple hours. We dragged it, you know, hundreds of yards in the dark to get it to where we could, uh, field dress it and do all that stuff. And it was just like, it was an amazing experience. I was like, that was really cool. The following week we went to Springfield, Colorado and did an antelope hunt. And, uh, once again, last 30 minutes of the last day, as we were driving back, uh, we saw a herd on property that we could actually hunt. Uh, I went out and I was able to take my first antelope and they were like full sprint, 45, 45 miles an hour. Uh, I was like a 300 some yard shot and I uh, was able just to take it and process it. And then I was like, yes, I love hunting. Uh, I've gotten to go. Let's see. I went iguana hunting in Florida with the Python cowboy. That, that was a ton of fun. We used air guns and that was just like a really great time. I got to hunt rams in Utah and turkey in Utah. I uh, took my first ram. I just got everything back actually. So I've got the cape and a euro mount up at the front of the office here. That, w- that was exciting. Uh, let's see. We went hunting this year, but like we kind of all struck out. No deer or antelope this year. But yeah, we're. J- I'm just going to continue doing it. I'm putting in tags for bighorn sheep and and moose and everything and just building up my preference points. So eventually in, you know, like 15 years, I'll be able to hunt some of those things, but yeah, I'm addicted to it. I love it. It's, uh, I've never been so close to nature as when I was out trying to kill it. And you know what? Yeah. So that, you know, a lot of people think hunting is, is, um, a lot of people that are clueless, right. And emotional Mm -hmm. and, Oh, how could you hurt any creature like that? I have to say that when I started getting into hunting, um, you know, I came out. We the first thing we tried to chase was was turkeys. Uh, that was the first thing I tried to hunt because I was told, "Oh, they're stupid birds. Like, they, you know, they're they're really dumb. You just call them in and then you shoot them in the face." And Ike. and so far, I have yet to kill one after three years. <laughs> um, so I don't know if it's tur- if the turkey's stupid, then I must be dumber than a turkey, right? Um, but the first time I took my deer, uh, my white-tailed deer, um, and I, I didn't even like fully process it. Like I, I was, I was shown how to field dress it. I dropped it off at a processor, and then when I got the meat back, uh, I, I, I wasn't happy with the way the guy processed my deer. Like the way he, like <laughs> he shredded my back straps into like, uh. like fajita strips. Right? I was like, no, I wanted steaks, and you gave me you know, little strips and stuff. So I was, I was a little furious about that, but granted, like maybe I didn't explain myself very clearly. Cause you know, right. I'm brand new. I don't know how to explain. Like uh, normally I go to the store. Yeah. yeah. Normally I go to the store and they're already cut for me. You know, I, I want them cut like the store, but like, you know, whatever. So, uh, I, I obviously ate all of that deer and the first, I remember the first time I, I smelled the wild game as I opened it up to cook it. I was just kind of like, Ooh, that's different. That's that's definitely not beef. Like it was very obvious that it's not beef, yep. but you know, and not that it smells bad. It's just it's just a different it's smell. Different. The te- and the texture is a little bit different. The taste is a little bit different. But as you learn how to cook it and how to season it properly and stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, this is this is even better than like some of the steaks that I've had in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So the next year when I when I got my deer, um, I made the decision I was going to try and and process it my whole time. So like I I did everything from start to finish. Um, I watched the the meat eaters episode of how to how to quarter your deer. Like I had that on replay, and there was blood all over my screen because I'm sitting there yep. trying to cut it with a knife and like you know tapping to go back 30 seconds and then find out how to cut that muscle group out. But the biggest thing that I found throughout that whole process was um, 
my appreciation for my food was so much uh, more kind of spiritual is, is kind of how I want to say it. Like there was, there was a different level of a connection with the meat, knowing that from start to finish, I've had full control of this meat. It's as organic as you could possibly get. Like you can't get any more free range than venison. Yeah. Um, and there's this, there's this thing that happens that every time I open my freezer and like, I go to pull a piece of him out, like I, I like relive that moment of the hunt where I was able to harvest it. And it's just cool to be able to have that kind of a connection with your food. Like you don't, no one picks up their steak from Vaughn's and thinks about good old Bessie. You right. know, it's like, you just exactly. think, Oh, it's a, it's a steak. It's styrofoam and it's wrapped. But like, I have a, I have a completely different experience when I pick up my meat out of my freezer. So the level of appreciation for the food that we make out of these, uh, these wild game that we hunt um, was something that I was not expecting. Like, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but the fact of the matter is like, that's one of the greatest things that I found about hunting was that, like mindset of knowing where your food's coming from, that you had all the control of it and that you had to work for it. Like I, I, many people don't realize how hard it is to get a white tailed deer to get within. <laughs> now I, I was hunting with a bow so it's like you have to get a white tailed deer to get within like, you know, 20 to 30 yards of you for for yeah. the level of bow shooter that I am. And then you got to put an, a great shot on it to give it a, a fast death, you know, and um, it's, it's just a tall order. There's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of prep oh, yeah. like that, like to prepare for the deer season. I'm already working on getting the property set, trying to plot out the food plots and seeds and fertilize. Like there's a lot of work that goes into it and it, there's yeah. no guarantee. No, like we're out. Yeah. Um, we we're out for, we basically take the month of December. So we take, we go hunt for four days for antelope, four days for deer. We throw elk somewhere in there because none of us ever get elk tags. So we just buy plains elk tags. But you said it a few minutes ago, like spiritual. And that is, that is 100% how I describe hunting to people that have never hunted. But you, t you talk about like you have such a connection to the food that you eat. And I 100% agree with that. And I've been able to share some of the food that, that I've hunted with people that I care about, like uh, the lady that cleans the offices here. Um, she's a really good person. And like I have given them all kinds of wild game and they love it. Uh, one of my buddies that works at Swamp Fox Optics, I've given him a bunch of game. And it just to be able to like, yes, I hunted this and now I'm providing food for my friends. And like, it is 100% spiritual. And I didn't expect that at all. Uh, but yeah, yeah, just being in the, in the forest on the ground in a tree, uh, you know, just like laying in ambush and just waiting and, you know, sometimes drifting off and just sitting there for hours without phones, without anything, just literally, I have never been so close to nature as, as when I've been out hunting and there's like such a respect for the animal, even after the harvest that, that it's hard to describe. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're, so we're in our, our spring Turkey season right now. And, uh, so again, I'm trying to get a chicken <laughs> or a thunder chicken on the ground, but it's, it's so crazy. And even with white tailed deer too, it's funny because like, the the amount of attention that you have to pay when you're out hunting them because it's you'll see them and the second you turn away to grab something grab your bow grab your rifle or something like that and you look back 
they could be they could disappear. A two hundred pound animal vanishes in thin air. Oh yeah, with without making a noise. Balance. Yeah. And then and then they reappear twenty yards in front of you. And you're like, well, crap. Now I can't move because they're staring <laughs> right at me. Like, okay, awesome. That was that was great. Where the hell did you come from? You you went literally went from being one hundred twenty yards out to twenty yards. I had no clue where you were for the last four minutes, and here you are. Like it's it's a it's a different uh, experience when you go out hunting. But I'll say this: um, I agree with you. The only reason I never got into hunting, even though I was into firearms as much as I was, was because like I felt so overwhelmed with the the level and the amount of information that I had to try and process and learn and organize about hunting, and and yeah. that was something that you know I, I started this little FPS Outdoors YouTube expansion um, to try and encourage people to to learn like look if i can figure it out then you can like it's i, I again i i haven't killed a turkey in three years that's how dumb i am and yet i know how to you know do it but um i think the biggest thing too is just sometimes you know a lot of these people they don't realize like if you just call your conservation department and tell them like hey i am brand new i don't know anything about hunting majority of them i'm you know everyone every now and then you people have bad days and they might be an asshole or whatever but for the most part, they will walk you through. They will explain all the. They will give you all the resources you need. They will answer your questions, um, and I highly suggest if you've never tried hunting, um, to go out and give it a go. And even if it's something oh, yeah. that you, you don't intend to eat, so if you want to go out and do predator hunting, like realize you're not just doing, you're not just going out and killing just without a purpose like you know things like coyotes or even boar hunting like if you're in the south parts where like it's a Mm -hmm. nuisance they destroy hundreds of acres of crops they literally just make babies out the wazoo that just continually to grow exponentially like if you go out and you decide to go try and kill some hogs you're you're actually doing a service so yeah. Um, and it, and it doesn't take a lot to get into something like that. Like everyone thinks like, well, I have to have thermals then don't I like, that's what, no, that's what you see on all the YouTube channels, but because right. we want to go thermals. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like I've, I've been looking at NRA. I actually went around and looked at some thermal optics and, st- and night vision optics. And I was just like, ah, I got to get my hands on something, man. I know that's- 100%. You know, what's cool is uh, I try to eat everything that we take. So I've eaten iguana now. Um, it was very interesting. Uh, the legs are not. I, I didn't like them very much, but the iguana cheeks, you know, those like big circles that they have on their cheeks, they're yeah. like the most delicious pork chops you have ever had. Like I would eat iguana cheeks every single day. They're that good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I see. I, I you just, I don't look at an iguana and think yummy. Uh, neither, <laughs> do I, neither do I, but yeah, we, uh, you know, rapid fire, Rachel and I, uh, we worked for like an hour and a half to prep all the legs and the cheeks and everything in the kitchen. And that meant like skinning them and doing all that. And then Roy from Brownells, uh, cooked them on the grill. Uh, we, a bunch of us ate them. It was like, God, I don't even remember all who was, who was there. It was like Mr. Guns and gear and hootie who and, uh, Rachel and Roy. And I'm forgetting so many other people, but yeah, like we just ate iguana for an entire meal and it was amazing. And then one of the cool things about community that you were just talking about, you're like to call the conservationists. Well, those three listeners that kind of showed me the ropes here in Colorado, they were inspired enough that they started their own hunting podcast to do exactly what you and I have been talking about to help those first time hunters kind of get through it. So not just the journey that they took me on, but now they're providing it out there for thousands of other people as well. And that podcast is called Let's Go Hunt on the Firearms Radio Network. 
and it's cool. And I'm like, yes, this, this is how things are supposed to be. This is great. Bring in, bring in more people to hunting and conservation is like, it's a very important thing in this country, I think. And it's a dying art. Like, um, you know, I know, I know there's been a lot of talk about like trapping and trapping is something I don't know anything about, but I would actually be very interested to, if I could find someone that does it to show me how to do it. And I would totally get into it. You know, there's a guy on the competition circuit, um, named Josh Froelich Mm -hmm. and he's brand new to that outdoorsman life too, like hunting and, but like he is full blown. He's got a full on farm that like he preps for bear hunting and, and white tailed deer hunting and and he, hunt, he he traps beavers and and muskrat and all, I mean everything. Like if you if you follow him on on Instagram or, or Facebook, he's always posting about. Yep, just got this beaver. We're gonna skin <laughs> it. We're gonna eat the tail. And 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 you're just like, man. Again, I just I just don't look at a beaver and think yummy. But I he know. swears, like, dude, they're awesome. You know. So yeah. guys, um, I was just talking about. He's trying to. One of the dudes, Sam, is trying to hunt a beaver. Like literally, probably right now. He goes. He drives, he's got to drive an hour and a half, uh, each way every day. Cause you have to check your traps every morning. Um, and he's been trying to get a beaver for like three or four weeks now. And just like going through that journey and like figuring out where to trap and where to set it up. And like, there's just so much. And he kind of gets frustrated at the same time. I'm like, dude, you're like literally learning to be a trapper by yourself. And that is so cool. He, they, they taught me that we have crawfish here in Colorado so last fall we went and trapped a bunch of crawfish like threw nets in the next day. We just like had 25, 30 pounds of crawfish. I had this huge crawfish boil with stuff that I caught in a lake, you know, 30 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. And like just all these different things, like there's so many aspects of hunting and trapping will probably be something that I do within the next few months actually. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just seems so interesting. And, and, you know, the other thing that I find, um, and don't get me wrong, hunting is fun. Don't like, Oh yeah. It's not just this like whole thing of like, Oh, I'm one with my nature. No, no. Hunting is fun, but yeah. it's not, it's not the act of killing that is like the crescendo. Like that, that's just a part of it. If anything, you know, I actually find that, um, when I do, uh, take, the life of an animal that I'm going to harvest. Like there's almost a, there's almost like a moment of thankfulness and remorse in a way of like, you know, my, yes. I'm so thankful that, you know, I've, this animal is, is going to provide food for my family and myself and nourishment and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's a little sad that mm-hmm. it had to be done, but again, like that's, it, it's, it's definitely not like a, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kill no. something, you know, it's like, no, there's, there's a different connection to it. Um, and again, there's, there's that respect and, and the love of being in the outdoors. And I mean, dude, the feeling when you walk up to your deer and you, you grab those antlers and you just feel it and, you know, rub the, the fur and the hide yeah. and stuff like that. It's, it's a cool connection that you have. It's this, it's this, it's this moment that you have with nature of understanding the cycle of life and, and being a part of it. And uh, I don't know, it, it was just, it's been one of the coolest aspects. I, I'm, I'm sad that it took me 34 years to get into yeah, it. Me too. Um, but I'm glad that I am, and I absolutely love it. Um, even 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 when I'm unsuccessful. Like, I can mm-hmm. I get so oh, yeah. frustrated and flustered at times, but I still do it. I still go back out there because I'm just like, no, like, this. It, there's almost like this, like... Um, 
the persistence that you need to convince yourself to go out, especially for deer hunting, like, like, dude, who, what kind of person says, all right, I'm going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be out in the wilderness by five, an hour before the sun comes up, but I'm, I'm also going to have to wade through the two feet of snow that just fell last night. And I'm going to sit in 22 degree weather oh, until yeah. something maybe walks in front of me. That's a, that yeah. takes a, a level of weird, you know, oh, yeah. to, to do it. I agreed. And the first couple of times, like you haven't figured out your gear yet. So the first couple of times you're sitting there shaking and your back hurts so bad because you're just so cold and you know, you, you figure out your gear like real quick, but yeah, it's insanity. Uh, hunting is insanity because you're getting up at the crack of dawn and you're driving to like wherever you're going to go or you're camping there and waking up and, and it, it, it's absolute insanity. And I wish I had discovered it when I was like 10 years old because yeah, yeah, I would have done it my whole life up to this point. But I'm going to take a lot of animals in the next, you know, however, however long I got. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Even uh, even a level of fishing for me, too, because like mm-hmm. I uh, my dad used to take me fishing uh, and camping and all that kind of stuff. But we always just did trout. So it was power bait. You just threw the bait in and you just kind of let it set there until something took it and then you reeled it in. And when I moved out here to Missouri, um, there's plenty of big mouth bass and crappie and, and bluegills and all kind of stuff. And. Like I never even realized that like bluegill and crappie is a fish you could eat. I didn't even know you could eat a big mouth bass. Like I always just thought that was just a game fish. You caught it, you took a picture with it, and you threw it back. Like no one ever eats it until like people are like, "No, that's a great fish to eat. It's really, it's yeah. actually really tasty." Da, da, da. Yeah. And man, it's like yeah. Now when I get a chance and it's summertime and it's nice and warm, it's like, hey, you want to go fishing? Hell yeah, let's go. Like let's let's load up and and get to it. You know and. um I'm very excited because so so my little one here, uh, we got her. We have a little princess fishing pole for her that you buy from Walmart, and mm-hmm. I bought or I I, I cut a a little wooden fish and like tied fishing line through it, and we we put it on the end of her fishing uh, rod, and I taught her how to throw it and how to actually cast it, and she's gotten pretty good at it. So this year That's is going to cool. be all right. Let's let's go fishing. You know, three years old, and she's going to be out there throwing her little princess rod bait out there and. And so, my uh, only fear, my only fear is that as soon as she throws that bait out there, she's going to catch like a seven pound bass <laughs> that this you, fishing pole can't reel in because the reel doesn't have enough strength to actually pull the fish in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Fishing is another thing that, that I've gotten to do because of shooting, which is the weirdest thing. Like I've gotten to go ocean fishing and uh caught a bunch of mahi mahi that we took back and cooked on the beach in a pit that we dug like yeah what is this life it's this amazing (laughs) life that i just didn't even know was out there and yeah it's yeah i love every aspect of all that and it's just so much fun and i think i think it also speaks some too to to just tell people like you you, you get outdoors and do something like uh, even if it's not going to be hunting if you want to get out you want to go hiking you want to go camping you want i mean it's it's almost cathartic to your soul to just Mm -hmm. get away like you said like it's you know this this past season um so after i took my my buck in the beginning part of the season for the second i have to wait like after firearm season to try and get my second buck Mm -hmm. um, when i'm bow hunting and and that's typically after the rut so things kind of die down a little bit and you know you just kind of have to you have to hunt hard you really gotta gotta just be out there and and be ready when the time comes because it's very sporadic 
And, you know, a lot of my trail cameras just kind of went cold. Like there, there weren't many pictures of even the does that were walking around. You know, they, they just there just wasn't. And I still went out there every morning. And I remember one morning I, I got up, I got out to the property. And as I'm climbing into my tree, I feel my phone go off. And I look at it's Kelly at, you know, five o'clock in the morning. And she goes, why are you even out there? There's nothing <laughs> on the cameras. And because. Well, my, my thought process was like, you need to understand that for, for 34 years, I lived in Las Vegas. It was a 24-hour yeah. town full of lights and sounds and traffic and, and just constant go, go, go. Man, you do you know how much fun it is for me to come out here and just sit in silence and, and just do nothing? Yeah. I mean, just wait. And I, I've had some of the coolest experiences on days where nothing else happened. Like I was, I was sitting in my tree stand one day. This I, I've never seen an owl like actively just fly in general. And this owl came up, scared the crap out of me because it's still dark, right? But this this light colored owl flies and lands like ten feet from me on my stand on a limb, and then sits there for about five or six seconds, and then flies off. And I'm just sitting there, and I, I had this moment of like. Did I go deaf? Because I I didn't hear that big ass bird at all. Yeah, you know, and it was just it was cool to experience that in in its natural habitat. I didn't have to go to a zoo for it. I didn't have to have someone like be okay, hold your arm up, and now the yep. owl's gonna come fly. Like it was just it was an animal doing animal things in its animal world, and it was just awesome. I've got another video actually one of my one of my hunting videos. I think it was from last year. I've got. Uh, footage of a baby deer like play boxing with this overgrown weed that was hanging over and i just sat there and i watched this baby deer you know shadow box with this weed for five minutes and i was just sitting there going like that was awesome like you're, you're watching this animal that we all just consider animal animals and we don't even necessarily think about them being babies and kids and immature and playful and yet here i am watching this thing just like full-on have this battle with this overgrown weed yeah like Man, you can totally tell that's a toddler right there, you know? like 100%, yeah. I love it. It's exciting. So for those that haven't hunted ever before in their lives, what would would be your one piece of advice be about um, getting into it? Do it. Like, you're going to learn a thousand things on the way, but the hardest thing for me ever ever to do is to take the first step. Like everything since then has been a breeze, but to take that first step and to actually make the decision and to actually go in a woods and and do it, that, that was the thing that I had to overcome. So if you want to try it, do it. Maybe, maybe you hate it. Maybe it's terrible. Maybe you never want to do it again, but man, what if, what if you get to the end of your life and you never went, if you never stepped foot, uh, for take that first step that that's my biggest advice. That's absolutely fantastic. I I agree. Yeah, like you said, you, it's one thing to try something and say, "Nope, that's not for me," because then you know it's not for you. Mm-hmm. But to always just be like, "Uh, no thanks, I'm good." Eh, no thanks, I'm good. And then one day just being like, "Man, you know what? I I really should have tried that. I should have given it a go." Um, yeah, but I can't. So here we are, you know, and we'll we'll make the best of it for the rest of the time we have, which is cool. But I, I talk to people all the time that are like, and even listeners have written in and uh, so many people are like, yeah, I want to try it. I don't know if I like it, but I just want to try it. And I'm like, yes, go do it. People on my hockey team were talking about hunting. And I think there was four or five people that were like, yeah, I've always wanted to try it, but I've just never gone and done it. I'm like, ah, 
do it. Go. Just make the decision. Get your Hunter's Ed card. It's super easy. Five-year-olds do it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I mean, you can literally, you can have so much fun, um, not just solo, but also with your kids, like, especially if, if it's a learning adventure for you both, but like something as simple as squirrel hunting, like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of guts. There's not a lot of blood that you have to deal with when you're cleaning them. You, yeah. they're, they can be very easy to cook. Like you throw them in crock pots and just work all the bones out and then you turn it into gravy or whatever. But like, yeah. there's so much you can do with that little animal. And yet like, that are all over the place. All you need is a 22 rifle. So you take your kid out, let him shoot a couple squirrels and you do, you know, it's like, that's a very fun thing to do. And it didn't cost very much. Like that, that was the biggest thing for me. It was the the fact the first time I went to go buy my tag, it was $19 for two, any deer tags and two Turkey tags. I was blown away that for 20 bucks, I could kill two, two deer and two turkeys. Now, did I? No, I got one deer. That's it. <laughs> right. But bucks, that, That's great. Ex- exactly. 20 bucks for the, you know, 120 pounds worth of meat that I got uh, is, is a great deal. And I mean, yeah, like the, the ground venison, like you make deer jerky and deer sticks. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, um, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to make some deer jerky now. <laughs> so. I love it. Now, we we gotta we gotta bring this up because you got your Colorado hat on. I've got my Vegas Golden Knights, and we're in the ploffs, right? Yep. And you you already got your playoff beard going. I'm see, I'm oh, yeah. working on mine. I keep mine all the time just so I don't have to waste time <laughs> in the spring. <laughs> yeah, see, I I, I kind of do mine too, but like this this is like a whole whopping week's worth of growth here. Oh, yeah, like six seven more years, you'll have a real beard. <laughs> I, I can't like I, after about three months i actually just go oh my gosh and i cut it all off and then kelly gets mad at me because she hates me clean shaven she that's what so. i always did too but i was i fought when uh covid happened they shut down all the freaking places and i so i used to have like uh just a beard trim or whatever and i was like you know what i'm never shaving again and so this is like four years of growth you know i, so I will never covid be- was the reason yeah yeah, because remember, I used to like I used to keep like the the small George Michael beard, but yeah, COVID was the reason that I was, and just out of spite, I was like, forget it, I'm not shaving anymore. This is me now. I, I had no clue that I I literally just thought you were just like, ah, screw it, yeah, I'm gonna give it a try. I didn't realize yeah. it was like a fu COVID. Yeah, but after I got through that that itchy part that you were just talking about, it's been smooth sailing ever since. So like, if you can get through that phase, then you have a a wonderful future of manhood in front of you. I well, you know, I don't know if I do because, like, <laughs> I know I'm half I'm half Asian and half Irish, so I've got this conf- I've got this constant battle from hair going on. It's like, oh no, no, you're you're kind of supposed to have hair, but not really, right? So like, you know, it's it's just like my beard. I don't, I don't know if like I would ever actually grow a beard, or if it would turn into like one of those wispy, you know, kung fu master type beards. That would be like amazing. That, but... Actually, you should rock that. <laughs> But I don't know if that's what's going to happen. That's the thing. Maybe, maybe it's I'm just I'm just using the fear of uh, of not knowing that's keeping me from doing that. But I didn't now, think I could grow one. Well, I, I'll say what yours is quite majestic. It's pretty it, impressive. It's getting there. It's better. It's better than it like used to. Like, if you started wearing sunglasses and rocking a bass guitar, you could totally pull off a member of ZZ Top. Yeah, like back in the early days, uh, yeah. it's not quite that majestic. But yeah, like now it gets in my mouth all the time. And I'm like, God, this is kind of terrible. How how hot? I mean, so 
it's got to get freaking sweltering in the summertime. No, do you know the thing about a beard that I never knew is that in the winter it keeps you warm and in the summer it keeps you cool. Really? Yeah, it's like your own personal. I, I don't even know what to call it, but uh, that that is the one thing that I didn't expect, didn't know, is this just that it's like a great insulator. We're we're gonna have to determine whether or not that's true because I know Travis Gibson. He talks about when he shaves and cuts his hair and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, it's so much cooler in the summertime when I oh. cut my, my facial hair off. Yeah, it doesn't bug me at all. Maybe it's just because I, I, I'm too dumb to know. But, yeah, like <laughs> I know in the winter it definitely keeps it warm. And I've never, never hated it in the summer. That's for dang sure. I will say, yeah, even even my little peach fuzz, if I shave in the middle of winter and I go outside, I, it's, it is noticeably cooler on my oh, face. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, whenever whenever, hunter, whenever deer season comes around, I normally have some sort of facial hair on to try and keep me from from freezing my face off uh, Heck yeah. when I'm out there. Now, so, so Colorado Avalanche, Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs. But uh, obviously, we both want our teams to, to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup and hoist the cup. But. As far as the other teams go, what what's your playoff bracket looking like? Oh, man. You know, so I don't watch as much hockey as I used to because of all their stupid uh, feuds that they have with all the providers. So I used to pay for center ice uh, and we were supposed to be able to like watch it online, even when it was blacked out on TV. But we have the dumbest thing in Colorado where you can't watch the game until 48 hours after it was broadcast if it's on one of the main channels. And so I just kind of fell out watching it. So I don't follow it as closely as I used to. So genuinely, like I know the Avs are in the playoffs. I know the Knights are in the playoffs, but I don't, I actually don't know. I just, I always assume that the Avs are going to win the cup again. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Always. You know, there's, there is a level of fear that the Colorado Avalanche um, give off when they're playing a team because they, you guys do have a stacked team. I mean, your yeah. roster is insane. Between, um, I mean, Nathan McKinnon is just a phenomenal hockey player in himself. And then um, you got Rantanen and, Jesus, now you got Kale McCarr, this crazy yeah. young defenseman that can score like it's like he's a forward. It's just, Jesus, man, like your guys' so team awesome. is stacked. It, it is stacked. And honestly, like just winning the cup. Uh, as recently as we have 96, 2001. And then just recently uh, what, last year, Jesus. Yeah. What, what year? Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Uh, and they're still just as good as they were last year, if not a little bit better. Like I, I would, I would be scared if, if I was playing against the avalanche as another team. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I'd be scared if I was playing against the Chicago Blackhawks too. And yeah. they suck, but, uh, just being on the ice with them. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, when I was playing hockey, it was funny. Cause like, I'd be like, Oh, I'm going so fast. And then like, I'd watch a video of me skating and I'm like, Oh, that's it. Really? I oh, felt yeah. like I was flying, but, uh, <laughs> I always no, said it was, it's so like, I was funny. We have a thing called Live Barn at our rink, uh, so you can log in and like watch games and pick up and whatever after the fact. I did that once, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to cancel this membership because I don't ever <laughs> want to watch that again." It's like you feel like you're Peter Forsberg out there, but you look like you're Jerry Lewis. It's just it's yes, a weird thing, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! But I'll I'll say you know, um, I I completely agree and understand your with your frustration about 
the the whole blackout thing. It's like mm-hmm. I, I think it's the dumbest thing. Like the only reason I bought uh, the NHL TV subscription was to watch Golden Knights games, and then I find mm-hmm. out that like oh. Well, you live in Vegas, so you can't watch yes. any of the Vegas games. Yes. I'm like, well, then why the hell am I paying for you? I'm, I'm not buying your service to watch the Penguins. You know, yeah. For um, years, I watched every game. Every game, no matter what. I would watch every game. And then they started with the blackout nonsense. And so I paid, you know, 180 bucks for Center Ice or whatever it was and still couldn't watch the games. And then... Finally, they they fixed some of the stuff, but then they started feuding with DirecTV, and then it was Dish Network, and you know what? I've had it. Screw NHL and all their stupid nonsense. I'm just going to play hockey and uh, watch from the sidelines. Yeah, because, like, you know, like uh, F1 has it right. So if you buy a subscription to F1 TV, that's it. You watch yeah. the race. It doesn't matter where the hell the race is. Like you, you get to watch all the practice sessions. You get to watch the qualifying. You get to watch the race um, and like different levels. Like there, there's also another there's the cheaper level where it's like you don't get to you don't get access to like F3, F2 or any of the practice sessions. But you can watch the race. And I think you, you can only watch the race actually like 24 hours after it's broadcast. So you basically just wait the day after to watch it at the lower level. But like I, I just pay like I, I think it's like hundred and twenty dollars for the year, mm-hmm. and I get I get to watch everything. I can watch F three, F two, F one, all the practice sessions, all the qualifyings, and it's right there. Race day, I can watch the entire. I, I can watch everything, and I'm just like, yes, this is how this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. If I, I even if like the you know NHL or whatever was just like, uh, you can buy a subscription to the Vegas Golden Knights or the Colorado's Avalanche. Those are the only games you're allowed to watch. I'd be like, cool. Those are the only games I give a damn about anyway. 100%. They took me like a rabid hockey fan, just absolutely rabid hockey fan, and just turned me into like a a passive fan, which is, Mm -hmm. it's the weirdest thing. I just, I got tired of like struggling to watch. And then you'd find these streams online and they would just be like the worst quality. And you're like, I think that was the puck, but I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, I'm done with it. I'm done with their stupid rules. When they fix it, I'll watch again. But it's been See, well, weird. But but the problem is for them. Um, so like you said, like I eventually just canceled my subscription because I did find several streaming sites where, okay, I'm just going to watch it for free on the streaming site because yeah. lo and behold, your phone now can cast to your TV and you can <laughs> watch the game on your TV even though it's streaming from your phone. And, and so that that's actually how I watch the majority of my games now. Um, now, granted, you know, I've got a Disney Plus subscription, so I have access to Hulu. And during the regular season, a lot of the games are on Hulu for you to watch. So mm-hmm. the majority of the time, I'm able to watch them for that. Um, but even then, like, I still have the blackout bullshit. So, like, and, and it's stupid because I'm in St. Louis. So any Vegas Golden Knights versus St. Louis Blues game, I have to watch on the streaming service. Uh, uh, but all the other games are are open because I'm in I'm in Missouri. So they think I, I want to black. I'm like, oh, I don't give a damn about the blues. Like my my car's license plate is go VGK. And I went I went good. to an archery event and I pulled up and, and a guy there was in a blues T-shirt. And as soon as I got out of the car, he was like, do you not realize what part of the country you're in? Like, no, I know exactly what part of the country I am. Screw the blues. <laughs> you know, it's 100%. like 100%. But uh, uh, hockey was uh, was a sport I, I was late getting into as well, Me too. Uh, just because my parents were so against it because they thought it was so violent. 
Like, you, you can't play it, you can't watch it, and all kind of stuff. But, but they also didn't want me to play with guns, and um, now I like hockey and guns, so... <laughs> exactly, yeah, I got my first pair of skates for my 30th birthday, which is uh, uh, very late to get into hockey, but I still do it uh, several times a week. I love it. It's just a great outlet. It is, and, and uh, it's comical that when you're, when you're playing the game of hockey... It's comical to watch people act like they're in the NHL. Like the play gets blown dead. You're still skating towards their goalie, not because you want to go after their goalie. It's because you're trying to not pass out from hypoxia (laughs) and someone's got to come and stand in front of you and and cross check you with the stick. Like stay away from my goalie. And you're just like, dude, neither one of us is getting paid an NHL's players uh, paycheck. I don't need to be knocking your teeth out and you don't need to be knocking mine. Like I'm out of breath. Okay. I'm just skating here. Like, but, uh, it is funny how, how heated sometimes you can get when, when players do things and you're just like, Oh my God, that was, that was dirty or whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty calm these days, but in the past I was definitely, uh, a bit aggressive, but you know, you, you just like, as you play and, and, like get older. I think you mellow out just a little bit. Like I'll still defend my team to the death, but yeah, it just is in all things, right? Like any, any of my people, like I'll defend them to the death no matter what, but I don't go out looking for it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I even, I even thought I was a badass cause I, I, um, I bought like a Oakley shield <laughs> for my helmet, right? Cause I'm not going to wear a full face mask. Screw that. Well, I, I have considered getting a full face mask after I took a puck to the mouth and uh, this front, this front right tooth actually occasionally will still like work its way a little loose and I got to shove it back up in my face um, because like it full on fell out during the game and I just stuffed it back in. I went home, started chugging milk and like basically like slept with like a bite block in my mouth to keep it pushed up in into my uh, skull. But every now and then I'll feel it, and it's just like, oh, uh, I'll push that bitch back in there. <laughs> like, no, you ain't, you ain't coming out yet. So if, if in the future anyone ever sees me with my front right tooth missing, that's why it, it's because I was playing hockey and I thought I was a badass. And then I, as soon as the puck hit me in the face, I was like, oh, I can't, I don't have an NHL player's bank account, um, right. <laughs> and and I spend a lot of time in front of cameras. I should probably maybe pay a little bit more attention. To, and I had a mouth guard in too, and, I, and that's the thing that was that was eye opening. Was like, eh, yeah. it's, it's called. There, there's no guarantee with the mouth guard. And I also found out about some of the mouth guards having um, insurance plans. Uh. So if if you can prove that you are wearing the mouth guard and that it was correctly being used at the time of the accident that resulted in dental injury, they will actually help cover some of the dental cost because their product didn't, didn't provide the protection. But like, geez, in order to have that, you basically like, once you get the product, you have to like, like you almost have to like document you molding it to your teeth and how you did it. So you can prove that it was properly done. And then after the event happens, you basically have to have like th- three or four witnesses all write a, a statement saying, like, yes, I was on the ice with this person. The the puck came, you know, a, a puck clearing attempt hit him in the mouth and it was his front right tooth that became loose. And da, 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 da. like you, they got to have all this proof that you submit to mouth guard or shock doctor or, you know, whoever it is. I just but, wear a cage, um, man. 
I've seen too many eye injuries, mouth injuries, nose injuries. I've gotten hit in the face with a slap shot that bent my cage in uh, to where it was touching the tip of my nose. I wear a cage. I don't, I don't have time for all that. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely um, something I need to get. I still haven't gotten around to buying one, but I also don't play hockey nearly as, as often as I used to when I was in Vegas. Um, so that's, that's really why I haven't bought a cage. Cause like now, whenever I, whenever I do get up back on the ice, it's typically just for like the regular mm-hmm. family skate. And I'm, I'm normally like holding Nomi on the, on the ice and just kind of letting her feet drag. And all oh, the last time we went, I actually was able to get her on one of the braces and just to kind of stand on her own and, and move her feet a little bit. So she's, she's gotten better. I, I was very surprised how, excited she was about wanting to get on the ice like we weren't sure if she was going to like it or not and as soon as we got out uh, to the rink and she saw all the other kids skating on the ice like you had we had to like almost hold her back from just trying to run out onto the ice kind of thing so that's cool um yeah now whenever we go she's just like yep let's let's put the skates on and let's let's go skating so it's it's pretty fun now we'll see how that changes the first time she has a real fall <laughs> she <laughs> right? has I mean, so little distance to fall it's when you're our size that that falling is really bad yeah that's that's true I'll, and oh, but I'll, I'll say this when you're wearing hockey gear it's kind of nice because it's like oh, just yeah. falling on a bunch of hard oh, yeah. padded pillows but you're like well that sucked but i'm okay I did. I did have one uh, one spill where I was trying to do some crossovers and at, at high speed, and my my blades gave out. I lost an edge, and I full on did like the full like sliding into the boards, completely <laughs> sideways. Like my head hit the board and everything, and I just kind of laid there for a second. I knocked the wind out of me, and I was just like, "Okay, um, okay. again." I'm not an NHL player. I don't need to be trying to go as fast as I can to to do this. So you know the thing about hockey is if you play hockey regularly, uh, you're always injured. Like there's always something that is broken or hurting or sprained or strained or it just. If you play hockey, you are always injured, and you just learn to live with it. Yep, yep, that's absolutely true. Um, and it's it's comical when I when I watch other sports too because like you'll see you know uh, football players like push each other and it's like oh there's the flags unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct and fifteen yard penalty and I'm just like really because that's like the end of a play in hockey oh, yeah. and they don't even get penalized they just get told to to break it up and then even if they do fight they go and sit in the box for five minutes and then they literally bet both players out of the box at the same time again. Yeah. And they just continue on playing and it's just like, oh God, this is so ridiculous. Some of these some of these games and the penalties and like the it makes me giggle every time I see a basketball player needing to be carried off the court because they sprained or rolled their ankle. Which don't get me wrong, hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah. But uh I've taken a slap shot to my ankle before. Um Same. and it it was terrible. And I still got my ass up and skated back to the bench, sat down for five minutes, walked it off for three, and then jumped back on the ice and kept skating. Uh, and some of these guys, man, uh, I don't know if you saw it, um, the Vegas Golden Knights game, game one against the Jets, one of their players uh, fell down onto our goalie's skate and straight up like cut his face, needed like something like like 60 stitches or something like that. He goes in the back and comes out like 10 minutes later with a full cage and his face stitched up. And you're just oh, yeah. like, yep, you know what? In the NBA, he, he'd already be at the hospital, <laughs> you know, asking for his jello cup. 
100%. Right on, man. Well, uh, I, I like to do a little fast fire question, just kind of wrap these things up, and then we'll, we'll uh, you know, wrap it up and call it, call it good. We're at an hour and 15 minutes, which I think All is right. a pretty good conversation, and we can, always, we can always add another episode if we choose to do so. But oh, yeah. uh, So I've got some of these fast fire questions we're going to ask you and, and see just what kind of man you are. Oh, boy. Here or we go. Wo- or woman. So, all right. Um, I'll be what I want. <laughs> First question Star Wars or Star Trek? I'm one of the very few that likes both, but if I had to pick a favorite, Star Wars, no problem. Even the new stuff? <sighs> Ish. You know, like original trilogy is best, and there's been some uh, shining beacons of awesomeness, Rogue One, uh, like over the, over the rest of it. But yes, I own all of them, everything. And, uh, I wouldn't say I hate some of the new stuff. I just don't like it as much as the old stuff. I got to say, I watched, um, what was it? It wasn't Resistance. It was the other, Rebels. Yeah. The, the animated cartoon. That's good. And that was, that was actually pretty, pretty solid for sure. Actually, so um, my answer to your question should have been Star Wars or Star Trek. Well, I'm getting married on May 4th here in a couple of weeks. So I'll oh. let that be the answer. Got it. Yep. That makes sense. All right. Um, would you rather answer emails on your phone, remote, or at home on your computer? It's crazy to say I don't have a computer at home, um, but I would rather answer emails on my computer at work because I don't like answering them on my phone. Or, well, at work, but so on a computer then. Okay. Yeah, computer, 100%. Would you rather fix up something old or make something entirely new? Mm, make something new. Uh, hey, while we while we were talking about hockey, would you rather take a wrist shot puck to the face with no shield, or would you take a uh, a wrist shot puck to the nuts with no cup? Oh, face, <laughs> face! <laughs> You'd rather jink up your look to than, than yeah. put your family in peril, huh? <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I don't know if you ever got hit in the nuts with a shot. It hurts. <laughs> Not with a shot. I've been kicked there a couple of times, and uh, I would no. agree. But man, I don't. Hit. I don't know. I don't you, know. About even with a, a moneymaker, it it messed me up for like a week. Even with a cup, it was bad. <laughs> well, good. I'll t- I'll have to take your word for it and hope that I I never have to live through it. But um, all right. Uh, would you rather have an ice cream sandwich or an ice cream taco? Uh, taco, choco, taco is where it's at. I agree for sure. And last one, uh, do you like giving the perfect gift or receiving the perfect gift? Uh, receiving. I'm selfish. Receive. And that's okay. At, at least you can admit it. So uh, Yeah, absolutely. I know who I am. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, I, I ain't trying to impress anybody. I'm getting married. Who the hell do I need to impress now, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right on. Well, thank you so much for for being on the show. Um, this this is kind of last moment time where I I, I just kind of let the floor be yours. If you've got um, any sponsors you want to talk about, or organizations, or um, you know things that we're working on, Second Amendment rights and, and and whatever you know anything like that. If you wanna if you wanna bring it to light, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, no no sponsors or anything. I would just say that uh, get involved locally in politics because that's where you're going to be able to make the most of an impact. Uh, you win some and you lose some, but I see so many gun people these days being like, well, they've already got their minds made up. They're not going to do anything. But like we just saw in Colorado, you know, enough people show up, enough people talk, 
that you can even talk sense into some of the uh, some of the people that disagree with your point. And maybe they voted against the assault weapons ban just literally because they were afraid that we would vote them out of office. But, you know, if there's one thing that people who have power fear, it's the loss of that power. So get involved, run for your own office, whatever it is. Don't just sit on the couch uh, and, and just be one of the ones who complain about the results. Be one of the ones who's out there, you know, fighting, fighting for those results every single day. And it's just like I said about hunting, like take that first step. It's always a little bit scary, but be involved because uh, gun rights in this, in this nation are, in my opinion, uh, the most important thing. And we all need to be like really busting ass uh, to fight for them. Yeah, uh, I would almost agree to say that, uh, you know, the only reason the First Amendment still exists is because we have the Second Amendment. 100%. So. And we see that, like, uh, we see that in history. We see it in countries, other countries, even today, like, the you know, China. I bet they really wish they had the Second Amendment as they're getting welded into their into their houses because the government says they have to be. Yeah, yeah, and then having their yeah facial recognition software to determine whether or not they can withdraw money so they can yeah. buy shit. Oh, yeah, it's it's insane, man. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I love it. That's a that's a great uh, ending note there. Yeah, get involved. Um, you know, one of the one of the easiest ways for evil to prevail is good men doing nothing. So, um, nope, I, I absolutely agree. I think that's a great way to end it. So again, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat, um, guys. Make sure you go follow We Like Shooting if you don't already. I mean, if you're listening to my podcast, you probably already listened to theirs. But if you don't, check them out. We Like Shooting. Also, Dangerous Freedom on YouTube. Um, again, great, great content. Very funny reviews. Nice. And yet, there you actually get quite a bit of information about the products. And the, thing, the other thing I like about Sean, he's definitely a no BS kind of guy. So if there's something that sucks about something, he's got no problem telling you that it sucks. Always. So, so when he posts later how much it sucked being on my podcast, you know, <laughs> you know, that's the truth. And you know, uh, that's the truth. Just look at, we like shooting. You'll you'll hear all the beefy details. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. And uh, to everyone out there listening, hope you found this episode enjoyable. Please make sure you like subscribe, hit that notification bell for new episodes and uh, you know, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, long live Twitter with Elon Musk being the savior of the second or the first amendment on that platform jesus christ and yeah. uh, with that being said we i will catch you on the next episode thank you so much and see you later bye